0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Chloe Maviel returns to join Graham McMillan and myself for a freewheeling two-hour conversation, chatting about the Eisners, the fate of Conan and Marvel Comics, the movies of David Cronenberg, the terrifying-sounding reality show Love Struck High, Young Francis, Chiara Furu, that very frustrating She-Hole trailer, and oh, so much more in this, again, quite comfortably over two hours episode. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening.
1: Jeff Laster!
0: Hello. Hello?
1: <laughs>
2: really?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was so glorious. I knew I couldn't top it, so I just, I, I'm like, I'm going to, I had to auto-top out, uh, tap out. I'm so sorry about that, you guys. Hello. Hello, Chloe Maviel. Hello, Graham McMillan.
3: Hello, Jeff Lester. Jeff, I don't know if you can hear this, but uh, in the office doors that we have closed, so that, you know, no, we don't get interrupted all the time. One of the cats is really, really trying to get in. Like, so if you hear at any point scratching or knocking during this, it's we're not in a horror film.
0: It's actually a cat. Oh, that's good to know. So if I hear something in the background that kind of sounds like
2: meow, meow, is that's
0: that like, is that? Accurate, or is
3: that? Yes. Oh no, that's 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 entirely one of our cats trying to get. it I wish you could see the door because it actually does look like a horror film. You know, <laughs> you know like something's banging on the door, and the door sort of like bulges.
0: Right. Oh that's, yeah, there you that's go. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is interesting. I put on a simple compressor on you guys with the idea that the recording would sort of up your voices a little bit and take out some of the cat crying in the background volume and. uh Right now, it sounds like you're calling from the trunk of a car, and I can't tell if that's the microphone set up, or you guys are calling from the trunk of a car, so... We,
3: we are calling from the trunk of a car. Uh, oh,
0: okay. This
3: is, just, this is just what we do now. It was, it was <laughs> we, thought we, we thought it'd be really fun. It's it's a nice, warm, sunny day here in Portland, and we thought, uh, sun and, and light is too much. What if we get in the trunk of a car?
0: Right? I get it. I get it. Um, I could just so sit, like, sitting
3: in the back of a car by a big star. Anyway... It, Jeff, go say say whatever you're going to say. No,
0: I was gonna I was gonna try it because I of course missed once again a musical reference and probably another big star musical reference because that's how Graham rolls. I wanted to greet Chloe and see how she was doing and if perhaps she had slept because she um she tweeted somewhat recently <laughs> that she was gonna get that that the patron saint of of hot mess was going to grace us again with another episode and and promise to be especially sleep deprived and insane.
1: Oh, I love my new title very much.
3: <laughs> very much.
0: If we tell you that if we tell you that we were
3: awake at four o'clock this morning, what does that tell you? Oh no! Oh, I, no, I've
1: been awake at four o'clock for two days in a row, Jeff.
0: Oh, Chloe, I am so sorry. Is it is it Alfie? <laughs> is it the dog? What's going yes. on? Uh,
1: well, yes, my, my, yes, it my, is. Well, yes, Alf, Alfie is waking up at. You know, he's he's nine months old, um, so he's mostly sleeping through the night. The problem is, is that the cat that is uh, currently being an asshole at the door is also his very best friend in the whole world. Mm. And very upset that Alfie has to sleep in his crate at night. Uh. And so around 4 a.m. is when Houdini, the cat, uh, starts uh, just being a real cunt and
3: and like starting A- earning that apple podcast explicit rating <laughs> right now <laughs>
0: yeah i'm like ah that's excellent thanks uh apple podcast for keeping us on the air it's bad enough that i'm not the actual jeff lester in the photo description anyway sorry but that, <laughs> that's complete sidetracking so is the cat actually freeing Alfie from the crate or just he
1: tries to. He just he basically like rattles the crate until some until the dog wakes up and then the dog wakes everybody up.
3: Mm. So And then he just... then he comes out of the crate. So, and then nobody sleeps.
1: So this is um this is just reality now. And and that's that's it's fine. It's fine.
3: You might have said, I'm looking forward to being dead because at least then I can get some rest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might have said that this morning. Oh man, I've been there. I gotta say, even without an asshole cat, I've definitely been there. That is that is terrifying. That is uh I am very sorry to hear it. So there's no way you guys can't like sedate the cat or I don't know, like
3: <laughs> Wow. I can tell that you're an experienced pet owner there, Jeff.
0: I am. I Well, I have to say, I'm kind of a doctor feel-good. You know what I mean? Like, it's really a good thing I didn't get anything like a medical degree, because my, my <laughs> first day. solution to anything is drugs. Well, no. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, we, we've drugged Remy before, and the results have been glorious. And God knows, I think of it just about every night, even though we're not taking him to, like, the dentist for heavy surgery. I'm like but he was so quiet on the trazodone. Why don't I just <laughs> just put it in his cheese? He won't I, he won't mind. I took Ernie to the vet last week, I guess. Mm-hmm.
3: Um and the I had to give him the, the vet now knows how anxious he is and is like give trazodone to your dog 3 hours before the appointment and then it'll have kicked in and he'll be fine. He'll be mellow. Right. And he's not fucking mellow at all. Yeah. Right? So I think I'm in, and he's Basically freaking out because of course he is, and they're like, "Oh, did you forget to give the trazodone?" And yeah. I was like, "Nope."
0: Yep. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's him on trucks.
0: Yeah. I. I. Uh, I mean, Remy weighs more. Uh, I think than than the than the boys. So it wouldn't surprise me if. But like, we we're supposed to give, we're supposed to give Remy a trazodone the night before, and then I think to the morning of, like, oh, shit. 90 how minutes before. Is, how heavy is Remy? Well, I mean, I want to I want round... He, he was 26 pounds. Now he's 28.5, okay. thanks Jeff, to... By yeah.
3: comparison, Ernie is 10 pounds, but I'm to give him... A quarter of a tracetone
0: Oh of- yeah, no, yeah, no. Remy's a but you nightmare. are
3: drugging that dog. Up.
0: Oh, completely, completely. Yeah, no, exactly. And let me tell. Ta- and again, it's the same thing. They're like, oh, he's ha, ha, ha boisterous ha ha ha. So yeah, actually uh, giving
3: him eight times the drugs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what can I say? What can I say? And you know, the thing that's sort of sad is he's just. Great, like we actually have a great thing <laughs> where great. i I mean, so like last time we like brought him home, and all I wanted to do was like sleep on the rug in front of the window, and he lays on his side, and of course, we'll walk over and pet him, and what he'll do is he'll lift up his little arms so we can rub his chest, and it was great, so. So this was while I was at work, and thank God uh, Edie documented this. She went over and started rubbing his chest, and he lifted his arm, and then she walked off to the kitchen to get something, and she looked back, and his arm was still up like he just hadn't been (laughs) reactive enough. It was just... he was comically out of it. But the thing is, is, I don't think he actually likes it, unlike me. So that's part of why I try not to do it, is... He's drugged out, and then afterwards you can tell he feels, you know, I mean, because I don't know what's going on, you know?
3: Yeah. So. Jeff.
0: Yeah. No, secret,
3: I, secrets I, I, of a dog drugger. I is... was about to ask, how many trazodones would it take for you to calm down? Ooh. And I was like, we could probably do the math.
0: Yeah. No. It's, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. If he's
3: 25 pounds and it takes two.
0: Yeah.
1: This is now a math and drugs podcast.
0: <laughs> I feel like that would actually be incredibly popular with a certain.
3: Also, Jeff, I've got to be honest: a, I'm bad at math, and b, I literally can't even imagine how what you weigh.
0: Oh yeah, what what I weigh? Ah, this this in, episode in, in, in part b because I forgot
3: what the average human weighs, right. and it literally my brain was like. Like the average person's like
0: eighty pounds, right? Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. cost energy. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, let's just say that I've contemplated it, and there were two reasons why I decided not to do it. Um, and one was it's kind of expensive. What? Well, yeah, exactly. Like we, I would probably have to eat the entire bottle of trazodone in order to get any sort of. Actual effect, but also trazodone is is it's an anti anxiety medication. You know what I mean? Like it's kind, it's it's more like I don't know Zoloft for dogs, or maybe it's more like a Xanax since it's fast acting. But it's more it's it's more of the um, it's more of an anti anxiety drug than an actual like oh hey look at me I'm floating over my pillow, you know. um, This
3: really is bringing to like the the Jeff Feelgood podcast. (laughs)
0: Well, that's that's because we haven't started talking about reality TV yet, which I, I oh wait yeah no I know I know let let me have my happy place first I really <laughs> I appreciate it both of you um, yeah so uh, well you know I feel I feel like really this the uh, is there is there is there comics news that we should is there comics like stuff that we should talk about you know. Um, I feel like I think- we're wide open as far as topics go, which
3: is kind I feel of else we're wide open. I mean, the only news news I can think of this week was mm-hmm. the Eisners.
0: Mm, yeah, right.
3: And the Eisners are fine. I mean, there are
1: definitely some people that that
3: deserve their nominations on there for sure. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's also some like it's a it's an Eisner's list, if that makes sense. You know, it's like sure. there's some people that I I really am not sure why they're there, and there's some people that are there because. They always got on the Eisner's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some people that uh, that should have been on there that aren't.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like that. It, feel, it felt very traditionally Eisner's ish in that way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't where you're we were like, what the fuck? For good or bad reasons. You're like, yeah, it's the, it's the Eisner's.
0: Mm. Yeah, right. No, actually, you know what, Graham? You cool. are semi right because. Um, because I, as a as a Conan fan, the other piece of news is about Conan. Because I was like, yeah, what? Why weren't they going to nominate Conan for the Eisners? Why wasn't he going to give Why,
3: where, why aren't they going to nominate Conan for the Eisners? Yeah,
0: uh, oh, that's right. Because he
3: read Conan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, just
3: brutal, man. Just
0: brutal. Oh, if nothing King else, I not Conan is not great, Jeff. I think you, you'd, even you, admit that. I'm sorry. What's that? King Conan is not great. I, you know, I haven't read it. I mean, I sort of, I sort of, I enjoyed the first, whatever, 12 issues of, of Aaron's Conan arc, like, okay you know what I mean but no I was I was thinking more like you know how there's like the Eisner's th- I, isn't there an Eisner for like best exploitation of a limited run of a licensed character you know what I mean like yes,
3: realizing that you're like quitting the license but you don't want to tell anyone then you send out the worst press release in the world
0: oh the, the yeah that press release, release was kind of amazing but uh... let, let
3: me tell you Jeff because I did the newsletter on this on Wednesday. And A, I wrote that newsletter twice because I wrote a newsletter and the, the night before it went out, and then that night I hear back from the people who own the Conan license. Yes. And I was like, Well, I guess I have to rewrite the entire thing. But in the process, Marvel told me something that very much was not true. Oh
0: that's Fucking great, really. Mar-
3: Marvel was. And, and this is like not official. Like this is people inside Marvel. This is like Marvel officially were like, yeah, we're not fucking talking to you, right? Uh, understandably, right? Sources inside Marvel, as yeah. the saying goes, um, were like, yeah, you know, we and we and the people who have the Conan license, we we you know, we decided together that that, that we weren't going to continue. And then I talked to people who have the Conan license. They're like, "No, Marvel fucking said they didn't want it." Wow, wow. Yeah, The people, the people who own Conan were like, "Yeah, we we would have happily continued with Marvel. We had a great time with them." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if with mm-hmm. Marvel outright said like, "We're not doing licensed properties,"
0: yeah, which which is funny because I'm like, I mean, as you pointed out in your newsletter, like <laughs> uh, apparently licensed properties that they don't own via Disney. You know. Yeah,
3: we'll see, because they are still doing Ultraman comics. They just announced a new Ultraman comic. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see how true that is, or if they literally were just lying to get rid of the Conan license.
0: Yeah. I.
3: It, you know... Which, also, feasible. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not impossible, right? Right. And just light Because the thing is, Conan launched really well, and then tanked in terms of sales.
0: Yeah, yeah, it just was not doing... Like,
3: Conan launched at, like, 100,000 copies, and then... Like what by the end of last year was down to something like ten. Yeah. <laughs> and when you figure that Marvel's got to be paying for the to use Conan, right? Like it literally probably wasn't making them any money. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I'd be kind of curious. As you know, I was a, I was a fan of the uh, first run of Savage Avengers, uh, and uh, you know, so hopefully they made themselves a, a you know wasn't like a net loss kind of thing but but yeah no they they kind of um they kind of brought back conan and then yeah i think they just kind of botched it i i think that aaron was like both sort of the right and wrong choice to to do conan in particular you know and then they followed it up with jim zub and zub bless him like I don't know, you know, it just, it really was one of those weird areas where, uh, I think the Conan license is, uh, to to put it mildly, like, kind of tricky, you know, like, I, I just don't think that it's something that you can... Um...
3: I don't, this sounds meaner than it's meant to, mm-hmm. but as someone who has no real interest in Conan, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do Conan that sells to people who aren't Conan fans. Well... You know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a dedicated Conan the Barbarian yeah. fan base, mm-hmm. and I think they like what they like, and you have to appeal to them, right? Mm-hmm. But it,
1: yeah, it's it's if if you grew up with it, and you grew up with some of the the older Conan comic, comics, which some of them are actually pretty fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then, are you outing
3: yourself as a Conan fan?
1: I, absolutely not. Oh God, I just don't have the time, but. <laughs> one-shot stories are really fun with the with the with mm-hmm. the older ones and if you grew up with those stories and you have like a good Conan reference then sure but otherwise, yeah, but, you but, otherwise people? but that's the thing right like there's um I'm trying to think of a, a good I'm trying to think of a good example but I feel like the whole like Conan the Barbarian general feel for what it is as a story concept is being done elsewhere better.
3: Mm-hmm. By more War- sure. I yeah. mean, I am I'm, I'm I'm like clutching a stroke
1: surely there are comics out right now that are feel like a more updated and interesting version of that.
3: Well I mean I don't
0: know. I mean and Jeff, you're the fan. Like Right. What do you
3: what do you want from a
0: Conan comic? Well, you know, it's funny because reading a big chunk of them relatively recently, um I have to say that surprisingly enough, I think I think that Roy Thomas was pretty great uh, at at doing a Conan thing, and it played into his his nerdy sensibilities really well in a lot of ways. Because because so a couple of things that he did was. He had just a handful of stories, and then, you know, there were there were the big thing. Of course, is is like weirdly enough, a lot of it played into the sort of strengths, for the most part, that that Thomas had, because it wasn't the proper milieu in which he could reintroduce his beloved superhero characters from the '40s that he had grown up reading. He really ended up being like, okay. I've got this mythology that Howard had sketched out and had not really filled in a lot of the blanks and um and basically you know Thomas is is perfect for that kind of thing you know what I mean like he's he's I a big you're dancing around
3: the right Thomas is a big nerd who likes to be really anal and make connections.
0: Uh yeah,
3: right? I mean, I
0: I I'm I'm not trying to dance around it. I guess I'm trying to really say that it was it was it's a big plus where the Conan stuff comes along. Like a, a classic yeah, example but, but of I, this. I guess I guess what I'm asking is like what like
3: if we are looking for something that does Conan but isn't Conan. Right. Like what is that? Well, like if- Something right. to be like uh, to be like knockoff Conan. Like for example, I've said before in the podcast, and, and like Lee and I've had this conversation. Like one of the things I love about Static Shock from Milestone is that it's a Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, right.
3: It's a really good Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the Static Shock to Conan Spider-Man?
0: Well, I see, and you know, again, like it probably does get down to something like The Witcher you know like that that makes a lot of sense to me in the in the idea of you've you've got a you've got a horny guy who like runs around killing things and and sexy magic women rub themselves up and down on him you know what i mean like that's like that's a basic conan thing but what i was going to say is is that honestly roy thomas's conan is in a weird way a knockoff of conan that was successful. In fact, one of sure, the things sure. that you can see in the letters columns is people talking about you know, and admittedly, Thomas who's edi- writing and editing the book is also, you know, cherry picking all the letters for the column, but like people are like, yeah, your your Conan is a different character from Howard's Conan and I really like him. Like, I, I like how he's different and there's a lot of things that Thomas did that what that were like okay, I'm going to try and plan out like an emotional arc for this character. And also he's kind of constantly grabbing bits of Robert E. Howard stuff and working it into a Conan story because he had access to all that material. But like some of the material that he's adapting are like, you know westerns, and you know like more blatantly historical historical fiction, and and so he just takes that stuff and is kind of like, okay, I'm taking out Rex Dawson, you know, t- two fisted gunslinger, and I'm he's now Conan the Barbarian, you know, and it's, and it's
3: killraven becoming an Apeslayer all over again.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So th- there's there's a certain um, degree of like. Thomas trying to, like, trying to have a certain amount of emotional fealty to the work, uh, to to Howard's work, but also feeling, um, having the freedom to really use that as a jumping off point for the canvas. And so the weird part is, I don't, and because that's, quote unquote, my Conan, I'm not sure how or where. I mean, I think the other thing that was kind of... Um, a big part of the quote-unquote Conan success is Howard had sketched out um, a, a whole sliding scale of Conan's life, starting from you know young barbarian out in the King, middle of the woods King to Conan. yeah to King Conan and everything in between. And so there was you know Marvel did take advantage of that as did as did Thomas and. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, again, the fact that Aaron clearly was like, oh, I'm really into this idea. And in fact, that's unfortunately sort of his, um, perhaps because of where he was at with Thor and everything, a lot of his Conan run, even before King Conan, more or less dips in and plays uh, pretty heavily with the end of Conan's life and the King Conan phase. Um... You know, in fact, there's a goofy issue that I was probably my favorite in the run where basically Conan, who is this king, you know, is now a king and is stuck having to sign legislation and hear complaints and stuff like that. He basically becomes a superhero. He like dresses up at night so no one recognizes him. And then he goes and beats the shit out of people on the streets. And it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of funny. You know, but I mean, that's sort of I think that's part of the problem with Aaron's run. Was he was kind of like, oh yeah, hey, here's something, you know, that Jason Aaron like, oh that's kind of funny, and then you followed up with the Jim Zub being like, oh man, let me tell you about last night's D and D campaign, you guys, and just I think both of those, I think that's the problem. Like Conan, also his success really came about where, um, you know, there, like suddenly high fantasy like came out and was like a big deal like Tolkien and then the Conan reprints hit more or less at the same time and sort of sort of in the same way that the dearth of romance material really uh stoked the fires of the the early quote unquote Kindle and ebook revolution like there was a period in the 60s and 70s where like Conan was right on like right time right place um, you know, you had Barry Smith, and people just loved his work. And then I think, you know, uh, it, was, it was followed up by a very long run by John Basima who growing up loving and worshiping, like, uh, the burn Hogarth Tarzans and, and especially Hal Foster's Prince Valiant was just so eager to draw, do that material. And so there's just a lot of there's a huge love of it, and also how do I put it there's It's kind of that thing of there's a real connecting tissue between Basima and the newspaper artists doing um historical fantasy strips that aren't quite as high fantasy, but because Basima's also been doing superhero stuff, he's like, Yeah, and I can totally have a flying frog monster in there and more or less make it look it part of the cohesive universe so to speak so i i apologize because i feel like i'm just going on and on and you guys i just imagine two corpses who have died of boredom sitting at the other end of the microphone but um, which is totally fair but to answer your question i do think i think you know sort of that chloe's right if you want to hook the conan people um you know that that were reading it like i was way back when i think the weird part is you've got to figure out a area of continuity that's not just at the end with the king conan stuff and and just allow yourself to just build the crap out of that and then and then kind of go to town with it but
3: that's that's in theory what king conan is the series it's later than anything that howard Mm -hmm. growl very quickly, I want to say that you're missing the most important thing about John Bassimus Conan, that haircut. Oh, yeah. Right. Which, even as a kid, I was like, he looks great. Yeah. I don't give a shit about Conan, but he looks great. He has that amazing haircut. Yeah. Like, who, who doesn't want that haircut? Um, yeah. I mean, are you going to buy the new Conan comics?
0: Uh mm-hmm. Which new Conan comics? The ones coming out from Howard's Company themselves? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. The ones I, coming from Heroic Signatures, is it called.
0: Right. You know, I, I can't really imagine, like, Hoopla, Hoopla has, I think, um, the Sumerian trades, you know, the Europe, European reprints that have been done uh-huh. since Conan's moved into the public domain over there. And I'm just sort of like, ah, you know, like, I think, I think that... um, I just... I, I think someone's going to figure out how to make Conan work. And this is going to be like the world's stupidest analogy, but sort of in the same way that Kirkman managed to make the zombie comic work. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be... Someone is going to do a version of mostly low fantasy with high fantasy streaks in it um, that that looks great and and really does have kind of like an established uh, comics continuity to it uh, you know and it, uh, this series has a continuity where the things pay off I mean honestly that's it there's there's a case to be made that Game of Thrones is a great. Co- you know, is, is a great Conan that's not Conan, but, I mean, the the genius of Game of Thrones, up to a point, was that it was more or less every... It was a pastiche of just about every high fantasy novel or pulp from a certain period, you know, sort of meshed together and recontextualized with sort of, uh, you know, Martin's love of the, the cruel plot twist. And I think that, you know, it's it's that weird thing of, like, you can't really... I don't think it can really be manufactured in a in a VAT or a formula, which is why I'm probably not really that interested in future Conan stuff. You know, like but but part of me would love it if like for example they brought you know DC brought back Claw the Unconquered with two people who were really into it and is like, oh yeah, a barbarian with a demon hand that is, you know, wandering across whatever. Look,
3: you know. Look, Mahmoud back at uh, DC now.
0: Well, you know.
3: After Conan, he's moved back to DC, so.
0: You know, I can, I can the only can only fingers crossed. What's
3: that? Half the team's there. Right, right. Also, I apologize profusely for whoever's decided that this is a great time to do some yard work. Who knows Oh,
1: seven thirty at night.
0: Yeah, that's not cool. Uh it probably says something really weird about the differences in where we were where we live that I heard that and I was like man there's I didn't realize those guys had a, an airport nearby which you know is is something that I actually do have so I was like oh man small planes what dicks and it's like oh no lawnmowers okay right Right, right, right.
3: I, I think, lawn, probably, lawn You're going to also hear a terrible noise now as Clay tries to close the window. Um, the windows in this house are all broken. See? Oh my God, that the is windows in the house, This house legitimately are all broken. Yeah, uh, which is really funny and also really upsetting when you want to, for example, open and close a window.
0: Yes, exactly. Are you guys? Do you guys? Is it one of those situations where? Um... Like, if, if the building catches on fire, you're kind of fucked that way? Or is there are there, like, exits? Is that
2: the case
1: with most people if the building <laughs> catches on fire? Well, I, I mean... Think,
3: I think what he's saying is, could we get out if the building caught up? Yeah, fire? thank you. We could get out. Okay. I mean, we also couldn't because the second floor is really high up. Mm. Like, we'd break our legs, at least, mm. if not more damage to ourselves, because we are
0: very high up. That's fine. I was sure you were going to say because we are very frail. Which uh...
3: I, I, I do have the bone density of a small bird. <laughs> I, have the, I have the bone density of Bob shots, If you remember that weird plot element yeah. of the, that comic. Um, no, it, it's like we could get out, sure, mm-hmm. um, but they're just the windows are like weirdly fucked in this house, as you could hear. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's, that
0: was one of the good windows. That was that was one of the good ones. Wow, Graham yeah. yeah. McMillan, window racist. Uh, so <laughs> yes, so guys, so tell me, tell me things. You had to hear me uh, like Conan Splain at like horrific lengths. So please. Talk, talk, talk about other
3: things. Once, like to wrap this episode up in ninety minutes, so we can say that literally a third of the episode is you talking about.
0: Oh, you're such bastards! <laughs> oh, that, that that is so mean.
3: <laughs> I kind of love that idea. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think what else actually happened this week in terms of comic stuff. Nothing?
1: Question. I, I, uh, let's see. There was the. Eisner's, and there was the Conan stuff, and there was um, the, she- oh, the She-Hulk trailer.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. That was uh, kind yeah, of... She- the She-Hulk trailer,
3: yeah, that's great. Uh, if you want to literally watch Ali McBeal with, like, genuinely some of the worst CGI I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I... I... I was I was impressed at how much the CGI... First off, part of me is like, I'm kind of okay with superpowered Ally McBeal. I just... I, the CGI can, was this, disappointing. This, this, sounds
3: like, this sounds like I'm being catty and I'm not. What did you think of Dan Slottron in the early 2000s? Which was literally that.
0: Right. Like, I'm okay. I mean, of course, you say that, but Slott was that plus a lot of, you know, continuity-heavy petting, I would say.
3: You know. Sure, and, I, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we get like the MCU version of that. Right. Just like random Easter eggs, where it's like, ah, look, you guys, it's the fucking recorder. And you'll be like, okay, fine, whatever.
0: Wait, it's- was the recorder fine. in the MCU? Maybe.
3: No, I'm saying like they're going to do some sort of weird like, call-out to
0: something. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm suddenly very excited. I'm like, fuck, oh, i, gotta yeah, I got to watch Thor The
3: Dark World? Jesus. So, yeah. um,
1: okay, but like... The whole, the whole, I'm, I'm (laughs) I'm feeling you hated the
3: trailer. You hated the trailer
1: for various reasons. But even if we're just talking about like She-Hulk stuff in general or Dan Slott, you know, basically doing like (laughs) big green Ally McBeal, which is, here's the thing. That's entirely fine. Mm -hmm. Like in my mind, I'm kind of here for.
3: Big green Island Bill.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of here for her right. being like this weird, like like quasi funny, like sexually liberated, like modern woman.
3: Mm-hmm. But and it, but if you're pulling but if you're what? I'm giving you a face. I see what you're saying, but the pro- my problem with the trailer was that it hey, sorry.
1: If you'd let me finish talking, maybe you'd not- understand why I'm Oh gonna- uh,
0: yeah. glorious. I it's delightful to not say that for a change. How Oh my goodness. Chloe, patron saint of the hot messes Please (laughs) continue continue coming on to this
1: He's like, I'm going to interrupt The middle of your sentence to tell you how you're wrong And I'm like, I haven't even gotten him a fucking point yet
0: Yeah, 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 but he's sure he knows And to be fair with me, I'm slow moving So he's usually right, but not you Keep going
1: Go to the corner No, but here's the thing.
3: I'm the
0: corner. Okay, I'm
1: okay from draw. I'm okay with drawing from this, like you know, sexually liberated, super funny, modern woman out on the town doing lawyer stuff. Right. Like that's all great. And if you're pulling from that era of of She-Hulk, that's cool too. The problem is, is that unless you actually do something with it, all you get is that fucking trailer. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like like that's the most cookie cutter, just like Shrek, Allie McBeal, gatekeep, girl boss, gaslight, like just I, and I I it's it's just annoying. There's so many like the, uh, there's so many things that you can do with She-Hulk and there's so many the uh, things that can be what was it Marika Tamaki who did uh who did the She-Hulk run that actually made her like interesting and also big? Thank mm-hmm. fuck, but like, but really interesting and more well-rounded and yes, like lawyerly and funny and kind of right. horny and all this other stuff, but she, like there was something to those things other than, hey, check out this funny horny chick. Right, right. Which there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in those things, but if you don't do anything with it, then it's just flat and oh Fuck. The MCU has so much money. Marvel Studios has so much money, and I genuinely have no idea how we keep ending up with trailers like that and with show concepts like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It is like twenty twenty-two. Why?
0: How? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I. F- I definitely hear you to the extent that I think that there is an explanation. And I'm not actually a good person, maybe, to to, to, to make this supposition, since I, I myself don't watch... Like, it, it feels like TV made by movie people that have a condescending view of TV. You know? Uh, at least... At least some of those things. And I, you know, I could be wrong. Like Loki was perfectly fine in a, in, in a, yeah, I enjoy a good BBC, you know, Sky TV five part Doctor Who thing every once sure. in a while, you know. But, but beyond that, there's certainly that level of, uh, you know, they're kind of trying to do these, these hybrid things. And, I guess, in a way, there's part of me that sort of wants to, you know, support that or get behind that. Because I kind of feel like the TV stuff is their attempt to to kind of do their interpretation of the weirdness of the Marvel Universe without having to quite put as much fiscal risk um, into it. But... I think the thing that actually sucked about the She-Hulk trailer was um, kind of, and I think I I think it's sort of the same thing that you're saying, Chloe, but maybe just slightly differently. Which is, I really I feel like I feel like I feel like ripped cut women are in right now. You know what I mean? And so it seems really odd that 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 you know. If nothing else, in theory, TV and movies are supposed to kind of be paying attention to, you know, the whole, like, what's big now because they're trying to figure it out, you know, six months earlier, nine months earlier. And if they really figure things out to to that degree, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it feels of the moment. and And I think there's a lot to be said with the, you know... Like, I mean, like they, uh, the actress whose name I can never pronounce correctly, the orphan black woman, unbelievably talented. So, like, part of me is like, that should be great. And I'm, I don't think that they should have cast, like, I don't know, uh, uh, who's that horrible right wing woman, uh, that was on oh, the Gina Mandalorian? Carano. Gina Carano. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm sort of on the one hand I'm sort of glad that they, but you know, Mark Ruffalo isn't cut either and like The Hulk has, you know, muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles, which because they reused those assets from the movie, so I'm assuming, he looked a million times better than the CGI for the She-Hulk character, probably even before the artists got told that she was too bulky and like redo all of her proportions don't you guys have slider bars for that you know or whatever that the producers told them so I think that's the thing that sort of weirded me out was that She-Hulk by having so much Hulk in it which kind of makes sense but also having the Hulk CGI look so considerably better it was kind of like and this is this is going to be a reference that uh, God help me I'm I don't expect either of you to really emotionally resonate with, but it's kind of like if they did the six million dollar man and the bionic woman, but they only gave the bionic woman like a tenth of the budget, you know what I mean? And then and then had them team up, and it's just, it feels, um, it just, they just did a great job managing to hit all the wrong buttons with it, which is really a shame, because there's, I think there's some real charming source material to it, and I think, I mean, honestly... Again, reading that that, uh, that first uh, Marvel Masterworks of the first f- ten issues of She-Hulk or whatever, I'm like, that book was a fucking mess. It's kind of a miracle that anyone was able to make any hay out of that character whatsoever, you know? Because it's just... Ugh. 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 Skeeter. You know? So... Or whatever his name is. Is his name Skeeter? What's the name of the guy with the... Mustache, who looks like he's selling weed, who's Jen's next door neighbor. he calls a little, little bit. That. <laughs> Graham, I only read him like two months
3: ago. It's not Skeeter, that hard. Skeeter was the name of um, uh, her her arch villain from Secret Wars. It was yes. Skeeter is the name of of the absorbing man's oh. uh, girlfriend uh, or yeah, or, yeah. Or wife. I think these days.
0: Wow. Okay. Wait. Then. What was okay? Hold on, I I won't I won't bother. Please, I very much hope that some She Hulk purist is going to sit down and and set me right about this. So, um, also not really germane to the conversation, but Chloe, if and when you start your post punk band, I really do hope that it was. It's called uh, what was it? Gatekeep Gatekeep Girl Boss Gaslight is such yes. a good. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: No, poor Port Graham has had to uh listen to me talk about the She-Hulk thing, uh specifically the size of She-Hulk in that trailer, yeah. as well as uh, Natalie Portman uh in the Thor trailer, because let me tell you, um uh as it's it's been said on the podcast before, uh I do a lot of weightlifting mm-hmm. and uh have uh am, am some something of a big bitch myself. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, like, not only – I'm so sorry you have to hear me rant about this again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's such – I got so angry at that trailer, not just because it looks incredibly flat, but because, like, uh, it's 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 She-Hulk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like, if you actually look up um, – like any women who are in the weightlifting community, bodybuilding community, like uh, Natasha Augie is a really good person to look at, uh, Christy Sine, who is uh, one of the strongest women in America. Um, all of these women are, are built, right? And they are not muscly in tiny ways. They, are, they take up space.
2: Yeah, right. No,
1: they don't have eight-pack abs, and they don't have chiseled you know everything they have lumps of mass and Mm -hmm. they take up space and it's in my mind there is no universe in which She-Hulk should not look like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's what the Hulk looks like and like and it doesn't matter male female anything in between when you put on muscle and, and when you when you purposefully have a muscular figure like that it it shows.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She is, Hulk is not an Instagram fitspo person. Mm-hmm. She's she's she is now. She is now. But like in that trailer, she picks up her date, right, and she carries him because you know, oh, they're gonna go fuck now because she's a horny modern woman, and she picks him up. And no shit, if you look in the trailer, his biceps are bigger than hers. <laughs> and- I almost threw the laptop across the room mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'm just like it just makes me impossibly angry. And don't even get like you know, tell on. A, on t- so, t- tell us
3: how you feel about Natalie Portman as Thor. I, I star. swear
1: to fucking God, <laughs> if these, you know what? I'm gonna turn my hater dial down. we yeah, don't yeah,
0: need yeah, yeah, We don't. We, need yeah, need... We, yeah. You, you no, we heard do. Heard. Hey, come, you come on, know, Graham. Like, Hater's come on. Just, just, <laughs> just, just, sorry,
1: it's dancery right now. We don't. <laughs> we, what we do <laughs> What we do. Need, I just uh, the the images for uh, for Thor came out and and you know Natalie Portman in her in her costume holding the hammer or whatever. And she has the mildest, yeah, uh, dealt definition. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, at least in my mind, she picked up a weight a couple of times and that's great. She looks good. Don't get me wrong. She looks like what most people consider when, when people say they want to be toned. That is what I think of Mm
2: -hmm. is what
1: Natalie Portman looks like in this film. But when I think of somebody playing like hot femme Thor, I, I better see a bicep bulge. Right. I better see like some shoulders Mm-hmm. She's got to be slanging that thing all over the place. She needs to have some good shoulders. So like everybody thirsting so hard for Natalie Portman, who basically <laughs> is like uh, it's it's another one of those things where it's like, Jesus, just just let women be big. Let women take up some fucking space. They're supposed to be heroes. like let them be big.
3: your' your upset when that trailer came out was actually not about the trailer at all. But it was about all the people who were like, oh my god, look, she's muscular and thick, and you lost
0: well, your mind. You know what? Yeah.
1: Part of the problem is though, and this again, like I'm I'm not small, like I'm I'm short, but I'm not like a small person. And a lot of women who, who regularly like put effort into into lifting weights are are not um it's, it's not about being small. It's about it's about getting bigger. It's about gaining mass. It's about, yeah. being, and more importantly, it's about being stronger in whatever shape that looks. But, like, it's this whole thing where when people say, Ooh, I love fit girls. ooh, I love muscle mamas and all that stuff. What they're actually saying is I like skinny women who are a little bit less skinny.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: that's Bullshit. Because uh-huh. I cannot tell you the number of people who will say, "Oh, you look like a man." And for me, like I'm like, mm, "Tell me more, gender euphoria." And then there's, <laughs> or like, or you look too big, or uh if you lift weights, you'll get bulky. And right. it's, it's like, man, fuck, fuck off with this whole. Oh my God, she's so stacked. She's so buff, both for She-Hulk and for like Natalie Portman, right? right. And it's just—it's just. Oh God, I cannot. I I don't even really have the words to describe just how frustrating that is. Like until we can until we can get, um, you know, bigger women, uh, bigger people, people with bigger fem bodies in general, seen yeah. as like. Hard, hard workers who are who are maintaining a, a really, really impressive physical feat. Like, don't talk to me about how skinny girls are buff. I don't want to fucking hear it.
3: Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is day one in the theater for Thor for Jeff. Um, but also, <laughs> if, if if something terrible ever happens in Portland, if you ever turn on the news and they're like Portland, Oregon has been destroyed in a in a nuclear explosion. Uh, first thing you should do is to see that if they've announced a casting thing for Big Barda oh, uh, yeah. it's turned out to be like, you know, somewhat absolutely tiny. Yeah, because, right. Because you'll, you'll explode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty
2: much. <laughs>
1: Pretty much. Oh yeah, no, I, I just know that it's going to be, they're going to do a New Gods movie and they're going to cast Barda and it's going to be like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's going to be Selena
0: Gomez. It's
1: going to be Selena Gomez. You know what? I, you know, I I'd watch her bulk.
2: i am I'd
1: be. Well, see, it. that's it. <laughs> Selena
0: Gomez would be like, "Yeah, I'll bulk up." And they're like, "We don't want you to." And she's like, "No, no, no, no. I'm I'm taking this seriously." Look, well, this
3: this house is pro Selena Plus Chef and only uh, murders in the building. So, yes. sure. We'll, we'll watch Selena Gomez try and bulk up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. Uh, you know, so and this is this is one of those things. Are there? Because I I think I mentioned God. I don't know. I, it's terrible. At some point, I feel like and, they
3: keep getting Gina Carano's name. But yes, you know what it is. It's yeah, Gina
0: Carano. I keep thinking of Garla, Carla Carla You know, which is not the same actress at all. But, and I not, not at all. Well, yeah, no. But for whatever reason, my my brain's being extra dispeppy uh, with it. Is are is there a is there someone out there with enough bulk who has enough talent? I mean, I feel like this is one of those other things that's rough is like, I mean, I don't know. I You, you guys are into all kinds of crazy shit. So maybe you're both into wrestling and Graham has made it a point never to tell me. But like, <coughs> as far as I know, I don't know enough about wrestling to know like, oh yeah, there's an actual super strong woman there who clearly has a strong enough sense of kayfabe that they could probably you know transfer that to actual acting chops on screen but I mean I don't know of anyone do you guys again it's that like I'm like
1: I I don't, I don't follow professional wrestling at all, but I think it's amazing. And there are definitely some like super hot, super buff women, uh, in professional wrestling who could probably pull it off. I also think, like I said before, like some of the, the people that I named before, they're just, you know, they're weightlifters, but here's the thing with, with stuff like handling the MCU and handling superhero properties, I think part of the problem is, is that, that Marvel is unwilling to reach out beyond the big names.
3: Mm-hmm. Which is ironic because when they got started, it wasn't the big names. Exactly. So I they got it cheap. And I think right.
1: that, like, I think it's a problem of a, uh, they're really not being a large, um, honestly, a, a large, large, large women appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, which is which is part of the problem. And, the, and there's also an issue of, uh, like, just not being willing to say, like, hey, we need, you know, muscular, like, thick women to audition for this role and be able to play this. Because, I'm sorry, you can't just expect people, there not to be any actresses out there who could not fit the bill.
3: Well, but also, like, A, you can cast, quote, unquote, an unknown. But B, you know, for male actors, the expectation is just that they'll get whatever size to be they need to be for the role. Exactly. Like, think about Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt was not – like, Chris Pratt um, was but, a fucking mess before Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Well, that's an ugly standard itself, though, too. Like the. the well, what the, they have
3: to do to get to that shape yeah, is not I mean, good. Yeah,
1: because what, what a lot of folks don't realize is that in order to get um, – what most people think of as shredded. Like, think, think of um, – the other Chris, the Chris,
0: Captain,
1: uh,
3: the
0: Captain America one, that
1: one. Yeah. Uh, the other Chris. <laughs> the other Chris.
0: What are um, Chris Hemsworth? There's three the I was about to say the other, other Chris as I sometimes oh, think Chris's
1: of him. Then. Yeah. Um then. In order to get that shredded look where you can see every striation in their muscle and their mm-hmm. eight-pack abs, they are maybe eating 1,200 calories a day and are right. dehydrated as fuck. Yeah, right. Like, they have to do water cuts where they basically drink three gallons of water and then do not, are not allowed to drink water for four days afterwards.
2: Mm.
1: Like, it's that, that's how water cuts work. That's how getting shredded for bodybuilding works as well right. and for, like, proper competitions. And so it's also the, like, the expectation of you have to be muscular, but you can't have any shred of fat. Fat and muscle do not go together, period.
2: Right. But that's,
1: I mean, that's kind of the standard that's been around for ages and ages Mm -hmm. and ages and ages. But there's just, but the the standard for men and women in general is is awful. Because you don't want to hold women to that standard, well, like actresses to that standard either. Because then you're just putting them through all the same horrible things that, that... men are trying to to meet as well everybody's body standards are just fucked by the fact that nobody can appreciate that you know maybe having a, a normal
3: body is fine but also like hulk. that's a cgi character
1: yeah exactly why don't like, you just make her bigger yeah yeah
0: just it, make her it, big
3: it, yeah it's not like anyone's like how did mark ruffalo get into that shape of the hulk <laughs> right exactly <laughs>
1: But video, some of the some of the visual effects people who worked on the trailer and are working on the show have publicly come out on Twitter and said, "We every time we would turn in dailies yep. for She-Hulk, they would come back and say she needs to be smaller. She needs to be more petite. She needs to be smaller. Like, and they got that set of notes over and over and over again until we got to where we're at now."
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: you know, fuck me, right? right.
0: <laughs> Right, no, and that w- and so there is that weird perception. I don't know. I it just yeah. It but I mean, hmm, as you point out though, Chloe, that also that double standard has kind of been with the She Hulk character. I mean, at least in the early days, and it has been sort of a slow process to kind of I,
3: yeah. She Hulk has traditionally been more uh, more beautiful, more sexy than muscular. In the comics. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think about Burn She-Hulk, which I think for most people is like She-Hulk She-Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. actually super skinny.
1: Yeah. When you look at the comics. Like
3: really, really little. Like she's tall, but there's not really muscle on her. See, that's it. It's almost
0: more of a tall girl thing than a strong girl thing, you know? Right.
3: Like, you know, outside of the, the Tamaki, God, who drew that? Nico Leon, I think? Yeah. Um outside of that run and the, the Aaron, you know, Avengers stuff. Right. Like She-Hulk never really looked like a Hulk. hmm You know, like every man who would become the Hulk would basically turn into a a, a rectangle, right? <laughs> <laughs> they like, like think of the shape of the Hulk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's basically a square. hmm mm-hmm. Okay? Like it's incredibly broad. Um and She Hulk and or, or you know um Betty Banner when she becomes a harpy and all that like never bulks. Yeah. Like they always just become for the most part taller. Yeah. You know, right. their hair gets longer and they get taller. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of, of uh Immortal Hulk going, Yeah, you know, the Harpy is, is a is is terrifying. Like when Betty Banner became Red She Hulk. She just became like taller.
2: Yep. <laughs> that's
1: my that's my secret cap. I'm just wearing some I'm wearing, I'm wearing platforms. I'm wearing platforms.
0: <laughs> That'd be great. Oh my god. Finally. <laughs>
3: For real. Like the like they get taller and their tits get bigger and that's it. Well oh, and god, what could I do that
2: though?
3: <laughs> 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 I huh. want to irradiate myself with gamma energy right now. Thanks very much.
0: I kind of, I kind th- of thought that's where you were going with the nuclear explosion part of the story, Graham. That setup, I was it's like, true. wait, okay,
3: yeah, that, that is. It, it was all I was laying groundwork for that joke, Jeff.
0: Okay, thank you. It was well done. Like you play the long game remarkably well. Um, I, I, yeah.
3: I'm, I'm very proud of myself.
0: It, uh, so, uh, Chiara Furu, I, of course, is what I want to talk about very briefly. Cause okay. it's Sorry, i go. No, 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 no. But I also kind of, part of me has been dreading the reality TV talk. So, like, maybe we should just <laughs> do that.
3: Wait, no, no, we're going to, we're going to end oh, on the reality TV yeah. talk, first of all. We
1: won't make you go through that, Jeff. It's okay.
3: Um, but... <laughs> the...
1: the... The horny 20-somethings can't
0: hurt you. You know, Uh, that's what you say, Chloe, and then you make them go back to high school, and they're British, but you put them in an American high school? It sounds bad. It sounds bad, Chloe. Made this happen. Okay, before before
3: she gets into Love Struck High, which is what she's going to get into, I want to say very quickly that uh, other reality TV shows, the RuPaul's Drag Race is doing an all-star season. Uh, right All-Star,
1: now. Well, all-star season seven and it is easily uh, if you've ever seen RuPaul's drag race or are a fan of the, the older iterations of the show, um, it's actually gotten fun again. And everybody has stopped being like, so like mean, mean, and now everybody's like funny, mean. And it's
3: so they've redone the contest for this season and the changes they made are literally genius because what they've done is twofold. one, Everyone has previously won the show,
2: Mm.
3: right? So nobody needs the money. Mm. Nobody needs the career boost, right? Right. Because everyone is already successful. Mm -hmm. And thing number two, it's not a competition anymore. Hmm. They've gotten rid of the elimination portion entirely.
0: Oh, that's nice.
3: And so it literally just turns into a fun variety show for an hour,
0: that sounds great.
3: And I was like, that's that's a joy, and more reality shows should do that. But I now return you to, um, Chloe, melting down about, I mean, honestly, well, one of the trashiest no, dating shows that we've seen.
1: It's not – okay. So Love Struck High is something that Graham ran across on Amazon Prime the other day, and he was like, well, I found something for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: Okay, this it, this is why. Will, will you stop? I just want to say why I said oh, it was for you.
2: shit.
3: It's not just that it's a dating show. It's not just that it's a dating show in an American high school starring British people. It's narrated by Lindsay Lohan. That's it. That was love- all you.
1: Would you believe, he just he took that nasty office chair and rolled his ass over here to interrupt me to say what I was going to say and then said it's all you and then rolled away. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like Tim Gunn, <laughs> <laughs> make it work.
1: My <laughs> like Tim Gunn is really aggressive. <laughs> so, okay, so Luxor Le- Kai is. Some show because it is it's it's like stereotypical like objectively attractive ish twenty somethings from the UK be like dropped into what I can only describe as like a pantomime version of what the UK thinks American high school is, which is like let's go hang out on the quad yeah. and and let's like you either are a footballer or a cheerleader or. Or there's weird kids. Or uh, yeah, and so, but they're all uh, the one. The one redeeming factor that this show has for me uh, is that not everybody's straight. What? Mm -hmm. Ha! beautiful. And it's even better because the guys go up to some of the girls and are like, "Hey, do you want to go to homecoming with me?" And they're like, "I would if I wasn't gay." Because all of the guys assume that the women are straight, and then they're like, "Just kidding! I'm a dyke," and and it just it made my day. And then, of course, all of the lesbians figure out that they uh, that there are other lesbians, and they just kind of like light up like little Aww. fireflies. <laughs> and uh, there's this one stud on there that I'm in love with because she just cannot handle herself. <laughs> uh and okay, anyway, so the
3: whole I know.
1: I'm feeling my fantasy, okay? And
0: <laughs> is that an actual expression? Uh, what? Is, is I'm feeling my fantasy. Is that is that like an actual thing or is that just oh, a, it's, a, a it's term very
1: much that a thing. Also I've been up for 16 hours, so nobody cares. It's <laughs> so what happens what happens in this show, Jeff, is you have to invite people to dances and you have to like go to class, but the classes teach you how to trust people and how to be in love. I <laughs> <And so. clears throat> they make you do trust falls off of like cafeteria tables, and I love that for me.
3: So, so and, Jeff, I, I'm going to wheel in now to interrupt mm-hmm. to say two of my favorite things about this. Oh,
1: but, no, <laughs> can I say... I want to say the part that they say it's an American school, but it's actually filmed in Devon.
0: Yes. Which, that, that was oh, my God, yes. It's quite
3: clearly in a small town in England. Mm-hmm. Like, really, obviously, when they're like, we're having a pool party. You're fucking not. You're going to, like, we, the public pool.
1: We were like, We were like isn't it is they do an aerial shot with a drone over like the whole school and it's this it's really it's a really old and it's like chiseled stone and I was like that's in fucking
3: Yorkshire or something right right that so, thing number two is it's clearly a show that has been made by British people whose idea of American high school is entirely shaped by films released between 1995 and 2002.
1: Mm-hmm. It's lots of Jawbreaker and Clueless and...
3: Well, uh, mean Girls, like right? Of course, there. clearly in with Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Like, the first Twilight's in there as well. Oh, really? Uh, wow. but, but then it stops, right? And that's their entire idea. But then they try and ship it back to America? It's this weird, 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 like, cultural appropriation, then unappropriation? It's the strangest mix of things that are really clearly very British.
1: I feel like saying British stealing American culture being appropriation is like screaming cultural appropriation when like your sister steals your Ah. (laughs) top.
3: Maybe my sister did steal my top a lot. Maybe that was cultural appropriation. (laughs) Um, No, it's, 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 it's this weird like culture shock thing. It is... Just terrible. It's it's really, really, really trashy in a way that even something like Love Island seems classy next to it. I love it. Um, And yet it is compulsively watchable because it is because there's nothing real about it, if that makes sense. It's one of those things where literally every single conversation has been choreographed ahead of time.
1: And they're all kind of terrible people, so if you have, like – if you have a bug up your butt that day and you just need to be rude, you you can – there's a lot of
0: fodder for talking shit. Oh, man. I – see, I mean, this is – I totally – God love you both, but this sounds like a nightmare to me. Every step of it, even more from our, like, I don't understand reality TV, and now I've watched Below Decks, and now I, like, not only don't understand it, I don't understand humanity. That, that, <laughs> that. that at least was one level that I could sort of come to terms with, not least of which was watching the various whatnots, watch the shows, become addicted, and get very angry at you both. I'm like, okay, oh, you're well, welcome, fine.
1: everybody.
3: Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Do not watch uh, so, Love Struck Island. Hi, it's terrible. I was at Love Struck Island, which, what? Fair, it, it's, it might as well be. Oh, right.
1: wait. Here, I can shift gears to something more socially acceptable. Jeff Lester. Yes. How do you feel about the new David Cronenberg Crimes of the Future trailer?
0: Oh, you know, it's so funny that you uh, said this, uh, Chloe. Because I have to say, I think Graham tried to warn me about this maybe a week or two weeks in advance. Like, (laughs) we were talking, like, offline, and he's like, uh, well... Chloe just saw the new Cronenberg trailer like 72 times in like a 40 minute and will not be quiet about it. Let, so
3: let, first of all, I didn't, she's giving me such a face. And so thanks for making up that thing that she's never mad at me for that I didn't do. You but, did. You said she was totally, and you, no, even, I, I thought you I even said, warned me she, she, she was going to be talking Nesmy. about it. I said that she watched me and I felt her body tense. Oh, pleasure.
1: How dare you make fun of me when I'm unspeakably horny? <laughs> think,
3: think number two. We have, um, we are, are like genuine shut-ins for lockdown still. Right? <laughs> oh, we, we, no. we, we don't go out. Like, we don't. We go to the grocery store and that's it. And even then, like, mask the fuck up. Right? Right. We When we drop the kid off at school, masked up. We pick him up, masked up. And that's, that's it. it. We don't go We go anywhere.
1: to Movie Madness,
3: masked up. Yeah, we, go to, we occasionally go to the video store, masked up. Like, But that's it. We right. do not like go out to meals or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Think like uh, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, came out in the movie theater, and both of us were like, "Oh shit! Like I really want to like, see, I really wanna see that. Really want to see that. Fuck! I really want to see that." But I'm not going to a movie theater for it. Like, she- not, It's it's not it's not worth it. It's not yeah, worth it's
0: the, the same. Problem. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, and so, of course, yesterday, Chloe's like, "I bought our tickets for the Crimes of the Future premiere." <laughs>
2: <laughs> see, but what's
1: worse? What he's not say. I'll will I'll 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 totally dunk on myself. Here's the thing. I'm I'm going to get an early press screener for work, <laughs> so I don't have to go see it in a the theater. But I you also
3: have to go see I it also too. I have to
1: Jeff. I have to. I've not. I, I am unfortunately uh, not old enough to have uh, been able to see a Cronenberg body horror film in theater.
0: Oh, so you never so, even really were you? Uh, God, how uh, right? Because Existence, I guess, came yeah, out. Yeah, I word. was teacher.
1: Yeah, that was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. was not. I was not old enough to see that. And I mean, I saw it. I. I
0: we just watched that
3: the other day. Yeah.
1: So I have, then you know, I mean, Cronenberg has obviously made tons of movies since the nineties, and. Uh, uh, when was Crash? Crash was ninety six. It
0: was. Yeah. Yes. Before existence, yeah, it's, it's actually yeah. before existence. Yeah, that, that wow, that's, that's that's amazing to me.
1: But uh, mm-hmm. but I mean, he did like um, history, of history
0: of violence and Eastern promises, and, promises. Yeah, yeah.
1: and uh, and uh, what was Dead Ringers? I don't even know. Dead Ringers was that before
0: was before existence. Oh yeah, it was way before. That was like post the fly, but <laughs> oh, and,
3: uh,
1: Cosmopolis too with sad Batman guy.
0: Oh yeah, Cosmopolis. Yeah, Cosmopolis.
1: But, like, none of the – that was Cronenberg trying to go against uh, who I believe that man truly is deep down. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> Can you explain some your, your theory on David Cronenberg? Which one?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I just <laughs> – Graham's, Graham's been making fun of me because I – we watched the Crimes of the Future trailer. Um, and then I was like, well – I need to uh, – I want to – I really want to work on a piece about how this is going to be Cronenberg doing Cronenberg cosplay for the first time in, like, 20 years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, – so I was like, well, I'm going to work my way through all of his body horror catalog. And so watching the trailer again, watching the clips that have been available, and then going and doing Existence and uh, The Fly and stuff like that, and I'm just like, oh – David, any hole will do Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's like, that's his name. And that's all I will be referring to him as.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: just, it's, ah, that man does love a good hole. Let me tell you. And, and yeah. who this doesn't really, but he just, uh.
3: He'll I, just create one and then yes. have someone kiss it.
1: I get, yes, just put your tongue in it, whatever. Yeah. Like, You know, some people don't eat ass, and Cronenberg's like, I'll do you one better, I will create a new ass.
0: That's right, yeah, no, exactly. You're
1: not okay with licking ass? I will put one in the back. Does that make it better? Where do you think the ass is currently? Well, no. See, again, I've been up for 16 hours, so I was like, well, the ass is on the ass.
2: (laughs)
0: Right. She's talking about the back of the ass, or the belly button, as it's known to many. So, yeah, I, you know... Uh, so, Chloe, I have to say, unfortunately, maybe yeah. I'm... Yes, yeah,
3: before we go forward, you think the back of the ass is the belly button.
0: Well, I mean, if you... if you know, you know how... Okay, so... you for this? All right. I draw a figure of how you think the human body works. Okay, so, admittedly, at an angle, but like, you know when, like, you see someone who's like, been shot, and then the the medical examiner kind of goes and they like put the little pencil in the window at the angle and they figure out where the shooter was. Like to me, it's kind of like, you kind of can like draw a straight line from the butthole to the belly button. That's admittedly at a bit of an angle. I
1: have so many questions.
0: You know, guys, I don't know what to tell you. All I can say is I blame Thomas Pynchon, because isn't there that uh, he's got that whole joke about um, the person who finds a, a screw in their belly button? Yes, yeah,
1: like, the golden screw.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. Thank you. God bless you, Chloe. Uh oh, God. So, so to get back I'll to the stop point.
2: Thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
1: No wonder uh, that bidet you sent us was so big and flat. <laughs> <laughs> you had to lay down.
0: Yeah, that that's that was the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Ooh, I still okay. want to get you guys a better bidet, like a one that actually fits. Please the just don't I, send it to
1: us wet, please. I
0: I okay. That was a slight mistake. That was a slight mistake. <laughs> I don't know how we overlooked draining the the water reservoir before sending it off.
1: The fact fact that you included Aquaman stickers felt like a Kids in the Hall bit. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's face it, Aquaman stickers with a bidet is genius. If I had been enough of an actual genius to, you know, empty the water reservoir first... It would have. It probably would have come off a little bit better or worse. I don't know because, <laughs> oh my god! I oof the 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 tweet that you posted about that oof, oof, oof. I have to hunt it up if I can. Anyway, well, you know what? Maybe I don't really need to have my opinion on the Cronenberg movie, <laughs> which is not. I keep fighting for it, and I'm like, it's really half a Jay Leno joke, if that. So it really doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'll be curious to see it. I don't think I'm going to worry about seeing it in the theaters, of course. Um, But, I mean, I sort of feel like that's kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think.
1: Are you a body horror guy, Jeff?
0: I mean... Not 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 much of one. I have to say, I, I I think that I think that um, I think that there are I I think the idea of body horror is something that squicks me out a ton, and then usually when I end up seeing it finally and working up the nerve, I'm like, oh, that's kind of fine, you know. And some yeah. of that was due to to sort of the good old fashioned, you know reliance on practical effects you know Mm. such that it it, it's it's kind of like you know as long as you're okay with like vaseline and latex like you're you know you're like 90 percent of the way there right so I, i but i i don't know you know i think that um i do think that body horror never really resonates for me especially in kind of the sexy body horror way. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not I'm not one of those people who bought his Clive Barker books and insisted on putting a, a plain brown wrapper on it or anything like that, you know? <laughs> and so and so it I think that there is um to the extent that I quote unquote you know get it, I'm usually more interested in how it and I think maybe this is the other thing I think probably because my my own sense of my body is is, is not filled with a lot of positive self esteem issues I can but somehow isn't quite at that level that, that body horror has that kind of triumphant punch right through to the other side of it kind of thing you know like I, I don't it just it, it, it's It doesn't seem to be an epiphany that that manages to to ring my chimes. You know what I mean? It it never seems to quite resonate. Like you know, like I I watched uh, Cronenberg's Naked Lunch, and I was super (laughs) impressed with it for kind of how like the like the intelligence of his adaptation choices. But I wasn't, you know, apart from like one or two awesome. Pretty awesome moments, like the moment where the the little anus typewriter asks him to to like rub the insecticide on its hole yeah. or whatever, like which is a which is a great moment, you know. Sorry, what was that, Graham?
3: <laughs> Chloe was so happy. Like, I just I just started <laughs> grinning. She, she just like beamed. You were like the little uh, anus typewriter. She was like, yeah. <laughs>
0: See, and that's it. I'm just never I'm not quite at that although that is a fabulous moment, but there's there's lots of other stuff with Cronenberg where I'm like um like I'm more interested in kind of like that guy like that like you said, sort of like David, you know, any hole will do Cronenberg. Like I'm more interested in the idea that Crash might have been a movie about an open marriage than it was about an adaptation of a JG Byard novel about people getting turned on by car crashes you know what I mean like and 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 to an extent in a way the sex scene from in a history of violence is is almost equally as shocking I think because it's so uh it it's you know it's a couple talking dirty to one another and 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 dressing up you know and mm-hmm. and it's just it's very, Very frank and I guess that's one of the things that sort of is interesting to me about Cronenberg and also a little frustrating is I kind of there are times where I feel like you know his like any hole will do and therefore like I'm going to give a shout out to uh, possession the same way that it's you know gave a shout out to me Uh, it is sort of uh, instead I find myself being like yeah, I kind of want to. I would like to see Cronenberg do um, do some sort of like again. And I could be wrong because he's being oblique about it. I'm sort of like, but what? Like what? What is your stand? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it really is like no. I'm I'm totally into people who have names like Bob Tomein, You know, talking about how like they now have sex with their knees. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's cool. But I'm. I'm way more interested that David Cronenberg at the age of, you know, 75 or whatever looks ridiculously down to fuck and yet is also been in the same marriage for like decades, you know? And so it's kind of like what like what's going on there? And so I I always feel like Cronenberg is like a really smart observer that also kind of weirdly puts up a lot of emotional distancing from who he really is or might be, and that's totally cool, that is absolutely 100% a viable form I think I'm very um, uh, you know, very boring (laughs) I'm very vanilla in terms of my literary criticism Chloe, Uh, and so it's very hard for me to be like, well but you know, if you're not like, if you're actually hiding, revealing yourself by you know, kind of doing by, by putting a transgressive pose up in front of it. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well,
1: what's really funny is you, you say that you don't feel that, uh, Cronenberg like, uh, reveals himself. And I, I find that fucking fascinating because not only, uh, with his films, but the way that he talks about like how he's come up with the ideas or how he adapts certain ideas, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're extraordinarily revealing, particularly because he doesn't um, it's not something that play. He, he purposefully plays for shock value. It's uh, it's this idea that, you know, sex and uh, desire and taboo and pain and emotional pain and, and particularly emotional distance um, mm-hmm. are like just a part of of human nature and not, a, but, but also that like horror and the erotic can be vehicles for so many other emotions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think like crash in particular plays on that really, really fucking well. Like the, the sex scene between, um, what's a uh, James Spader and what's her name? Catherine Unger or something like that. Mm-hmm. Carolyn? Uh, I mean? Deborah I,
0: Unger, I think
1: Deborah, you know, something like that. Um, the the sex scene where where they're they're fucking and, and James Fader is entirely silent and she's talking to him about you mm-hmm.
2: know
1: about Vaughn and you know all of the like weird erotic thoughts that she's had about him. It it plays as really, really awkward mm-hmm. and it's so purposeful because that's a whole scene that shows just how distanced that open marriage is. Mm-hmm. And I I just I, I think a lot of those scenes and a lot of the ways that he plays with um, with what's meant to be erotic and what is very clearly not supposed to be erotic, but but ends up kind of being in a, in a grotesque sort of way is really powerful. I'm also like I'm also really fascinated by you saying that you don't connect with body horror because of a like uh your own uh, like body and self image and stuff, because that is the exact opposite experience for me as well. Like I've, I've never had a a, a good connection with my body and body horror in particular. And Cronenberg's like bizarre brand of body horror uh, resonates with me super well in terms of like uh, feeling like uh, complicated about it and, and feeling unsure and uneasy in your own skin. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just, I'm entirely fascinated by, by our, uh, by our opposing, opposing views on this.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I very much think that it could be that, uh, I feel like I just inherited too much of, you know, kind of my mother's waspy, um, patrician distaste that in in other words that it's like like I'm almost tempted to say like I feel like you really transcend that stuff because I feel like I have what the what the french would pin down as kind of like a traditional bourgeois like the 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 discomfort ends up rolling at some sort of level of um i i veer off or i shut down because it's because it's dangerous to my class status or something like that, and therefore I don't really ever get to that level of um, you know of epiphany of of you know be beyond the transgression to the transcendence, you know, I just end up finding myself being like, eh, eh, you know which is which is probably why I end up. Um, you know, pivoting and to the extent that it's like you know, if it's not uh, you know, awesomely designed superheroes punching one another in the nuts it's like, you know (laughs) manga written for, you know, barely you know, like vaguely sexual Japanese uptight teens you know, like, and that's you know, there's, there's a lot of of the there's, there's the probably the relief comes from the avoidance of the transcendence, I guess. You know, what a pivot, Jeff.
1: Well, Jeff, I'm going to have to charge you a hundred dollars now for this therapy session.
0: <laughs> well, that's fine, Chloe, because my rates are 120, so you owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> so. And Graham is ready to drop the bill on both of us, so we're we're really in trouble. Yeah, I, cause... I'm
3: so in awe of you being like, and so the manga I read, so I can pivot to the manga, yeah. was so well done. But <laughs> no charge. No charge for the session. Um,
0: <laughs> well, thank you. like manga, Jeff. Yeah. So, Chihara Furu, man. Oh, my God. Like... This damn manga is still... So, I read the first approximately 20 volumes, which ends up being, like, around 100-plus chapters. Um as part of a monthly subscription to uh Azuki the uh the online manga service and i mentioned that because it's not it's not like shonen jump obscenely low prices but for 6.99 a month for people who might be interested you can read a huge chunk and end up getting hooked on it as i have and then unfortunately i was like where am i going to get my fix and as people may know i actually ordered on the interlibrary loan and someone pointed out like those books are not in english in print they're only in digital so so i had to bite the bullet and start buying the 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 volumes and now as i'm right on the cusp of i think i'm on volume 30 or yeah i've just I haven't brought myself to start 30 and then volume 32 comes out next month and and the mankaka is is right she's right on the verge of finishing it up but unsurprisingly they have had notices where um you know basically it looked like she was gonna have to hurry and wrap it up in something like 150 chapters or something like that um and now it's like she's going to take her time. It'll probably end up closing it. Like, I don't know, maybe 35 volumes or so, but I probably won't. I'll probably basically be stuck in being unable to actually finish the narrative um, for like maybe, you know, another couple of years. All of that in a way is this caveat of like, therefore, as I think we all know, one of the problems for a certain level of serialized, literature fiction multimedia experience is you know sometimes the landing does not land and the ending doesn't stick at the landing and then you know you're like "Eh, it's okay i had enough great you know the the journey we made where the the friends we made were the journey or whatever the hell. God, wow. I really had a stroke halfway before I started talking about Chiara This is going to be, this is going to be exciting me trying to t- sing the praises of a mango while aphasia sets in, in real time. But, uh, basically like there's a chance that it may not end well, like, uh, sunken rock, which, uh, I have talked about repeatedly several times. I finally went back and read all 175 chapters. It can't be 175. It's only like 25 volumes. Anyway, I read all of it again for probably the third time because I never really had gotten to the ending or so I thought. Um, it turned out that I was just two chapters away from the end, but I couldn't figure that out until I reread everything last month. And I'm like, oh, wow, he like, it's like this spectacular. Uh, fumbling of the ball where it's like, wow, yeah, he, wow, I would love to find out what the fuck happened that fucked them, fucked that up that badly and makes it kind of a hard, I mean, that particular manga in particular is not an easy recommendation anyway. You can't be like, hey, pick it up. It's 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 painfully sexually exploitative to the point of being misogynist while trying to represent you know, uh, a a pro woman um, you know, message. So it's like, Ugh, Charo Furu, so far, nothing but praise. It is a um it is about Karuta, this competitive card playing uh competition that happens in Japan. It starts with a romantic triangle that starts with three kids who uh Karuta genius, uh the girl who uh, kind of falls in love with him and wants to be there and be part of his dream to become a Karuta champion and the, the guy who loves her. And um, as they grow up and because they're in, you know, the, the, The guy who loves her and her are in a separate part of Japan from the genius. They have to start up their own Karuta club. They have to, they get a, a master who, you know, a sensei who sort of trains them up. And her genius for the game and the guy who loves her desire to kind of keep up with her because he loves her. And he's, he is one of those guys who's great and successful at, at everything It kind of has, it smacks of sort of classic romantic triangle because he sort of seems, particularly in the early chapters, like, oh, like, he's the shit. He's the heel. He's the guy that you're, you know, is never going to get with her but is going to more or less be there to throw obstacles in the way of the true love that exists. And, in fact, what ends up happening is just this huge... Uh, immersiveness, like not only do that, those characters change as just in, like, there's just a lot of, um, gradations of shading. The, the guy who loves her ends up being like, just one of the best characters, like just ever, because he is, um, somebody who is so driven to, Basically that classic trope of someone who doesn't see themselves as a good person, but wants to be a good person for the per, the good person that they're in love with and the layers of that and the self doubt and all that stuff that is amazing. Meanwhile, one of the things that to me is in- also great is, uh, Yuki Sutsugo, uh, the, the manga creator is, um, she's like telling this story and, And over time, like, she's got, like, she's not... uh, Manga is such an interesting, um, weird form of comics in many ways because the artists themselves sometimes have like their strengths or weaknesses, but the, even the manga design sort of what people think of as a manga style is this weird mix of super simple, almost very direct cartooning. And then a lot of insane like layered effects, whether that's the zip tone or the, you know, the constant speed lines, the radiograph or People doing uh, you know assistants doing absolutely amazing backgrounds or sometimes the f- like photo realistic elements and uh, what's amazing is is suketsu is is as these characters end up picking up their various team players. the team players are drawn like I swear to god two of them one of one of which is name is like des their nicknames are meat buns and Deskun, you know because yes. one is always eating meat buns and the other one is studied so hard he like never leaves the desk. And they both kinda look like um they both kinda look like rejected Charles Schultz designs. Like they're they're super cartoony. And so um and yet one of the glories of the of this volume is sort of in the same way with every shonen manga ever made it's like competition versus competition versus competition and then you have to introduce your various unbeatable enemies and if they're really if the unbeatable enemy is cool enough and interestingly and interesting enough they become like your ally plus there's the whole competitive nature in japanese culture of like you know, you're competing to become better, and you should be grateful for your merciless enemies because that's the only way that you can become better. And, and watching this, 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 like, again, like, I'm on volume 30 and watching people play a game in which they swipe cards away, like, the layout at a certain point, you're like, that's like, this, this, manga artist has just been doing the same layout over and over and over and over again, unlike something like haiku where which is a volleyball manga where the artist is like kind of figure spent a lot of time in the early volumes figuring out ways to maximize how to draw volleyball from a variety of angles and make it like really um uh, uh, just visually exciting on the page like the artist here came up with a couple of the techniques for the card swiping and then sticks with them just volume after volume after volume. And in a way, it makes it for like super, super fast reading. But the last thing I I will say or build on that just is part of my excitement about it, apart from the amazingly deep characterization where every person gets their spotlight. I mean, the part of why I'm still... Blathering like an idiot and almost cried three times on the way to work the other day reading volume 29 is one of the most minor characters that was more or less a comic relief joke in volume two has their moment in the spotlight in volume 29 and it's just glorious you know and 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 because the Karuta cards are these cards that are illustrations and poems um, that were like a commission set of poems and illustrations that emperors did in a previous era, um, you know, there's a lot of meditation on... On the pictures, not a lot, but a little bit, every once in a while, it'll come back. Someone will say like, yeah, on this card, this person, the poem is about someone who is, you know, longing for a lover or has realized that their best days are past them or et cetera, et cetera. But the, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, the manga being about competitive card playing and a romance about. Teenagers is genuinely Also at a deep Subtextual level A manga about Manga about making manga And how much it, it's it's An endeavor of loneliness And how much It is about the attempts To Overcome that loneliness And, and also that stage Of you know sutsugu uh, Tsutsugu was a manga artist who in 2006 was caught plagiarizing um, panels and pages from other manga in her series and uh, not this one, but a different series that she was doing that was starting to pick up. And she actually had to issue a public apology for her low morals in, in plagiarizing and swiping pages of other manga and her series was canceled like it was a successful series and they the publisher is literally like yeah we're not going to publish the rest of your your series if we're canceling it and we're just going to take a loss on it and this is this is in a culture where by contrast this is sort of an aside, like you have male manga artists being arrested for like child pornography and then being allowed to come back and draw for Shonen Jump. You know, it's like, it's yeah. that classic, like two or three years of like, Oh, they've been canceled. But you know, because those guys, their assistants go on to be some of the biggest artists in manga. Like everyone's like, oh, come on, you got to give them another break. Anyway. So Suksuku actually does come back from having to apologize in public and have her series canceled out from under her for swiping stuff and comes back with this amazing volume that is again about loneliness but also about the drive to be better and the pain when you're surrounded by genuine talent and you're not you're not a talented you're not the talented person or you see people who are driven to do it Like, uh, there's a gene... There's, of course, you get... Because you're ultimately, you know... Our heroine has to play the top Karuta character players in the country. You actually get to see those people. They're introduced in volumes in advance. And one of them is a Karuta genius who's a a 15-year-old girl who is the loneliest human being on the planet. And it's just heartbreaking. And then the other... um, Karuta master is this 24 year old guy who can't graduate from college that everyone hates because he's more or less just a, a brutal son of a bitch of a player, but he is also like a genius. And of course ends up later. So it seems acting as a potential mentor for one of the characters and it's, and he talks about the painfulness of like genius is, is, is a fire that can catch easily, but there's no guarantee as to how long it's going to burn or when it burns out. So for me, Charo Furu sadly is, is like I said, on the one hand, it's like a teen romance thing where I keep turning and being like, Oh, when are these characters going to get together? But also at the core of it, and it probably says more about who I am as much as the David Cronenberg not working for me does. Um, It's really about people who are struggling to be better and at a certain point realize that they're never going to be good enough. And yet the book is continually about encouraging you to go forward. And also the idea of like, if you can meet other people as a result of it that you care about and respond to, then in a way you've really won because part of why you were trying to succeed and become the best and be a genius is just so that you wouldn't be alone anymore. So anyway, it's great. I totally recommend anyone pick up those first 200 chapters. Uh, And if the first 10 don't agree with you, go rent some movies by David Cronenberg. He's great. So. Anyway, thanks for listening to me. The scary part is I'm like, fuck, between this and Conan, I'm glad I'm editing it. I'm going to edit my Conan comments down to about six and a half minutes. It's going to be like, yes, is like Witcher. And then we can just go on from there. So, um, You guys are both incredibly quiet. Did you die? We stay
3: quiet for a really long time. Jeff, I have... I, have, uh, I know we've talked about this in... Abstract and in serialization, but this week I read Young Francis, the Hartley Lynn book that was serialized over Popat's.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? Yes, but years ago, like when the collection came out like years ago. Yeah, uh, tell me. Uh, yeah. No,
3: I, I I was going to continue to pick your brain mm. because I wondered as much as anything how, what you thought of it. Because I feel like it's so, um, maybe not parallel to your mm-hmm. experience, but yeah. I feel that it definitely keys in a lot to your life in a way that was surprising to me. And <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> you know, I say um, yeah. that like as a book, I enjoyed it, although I kind of found myself frustrated at how meandering it was, but if nothing else, Hartley Lynn can draw the shit out of shit. Oh, Yeah.
1: It, a lot like uh, Paul Rebegliotti.
3: Yes. Or not,
1: uh, not Paul Rebegliotti. Um, uh,
3: Michelle Rebegliotti. Yeah. Who does, who does who the does Paul books. Who does the Paul comics. Yes. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. And also like Adrian Tomini as well. I think it, I think there's some Adrian Tomini in there as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I think it's, the artwork's beautiful. Um, yeah, I find yeah. myself, the more the book went on, getting more frustrated with the writing.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's 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 I recall that I I I I sorry, I will say my two cents why I can still remember them and let you finish it up. But yeah, I recall being kind of frustrated by the ending cuz it kind of had a certain like a a st- like hardly decided what not to do but couldn't figure out what to do with regards to the ending, I guess, you know. Yeah,
3: I feel that the ending just sort of uh, it—it's an incredibly passive ending, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. passive on not just on the part of of, of Francis, which mm-hmm. I think is intentional, but feels like it's passive on the part of of Hartley as a writer. Yeah, feels like the book just stops, like like they skip over the the. Uh, emotional closure or the not even the mm-hmm. closure but like the emotional journey to get there right because the the what majority of the book like 80% of the book mm-hmm. is frances is feeling stuck at her job and is feeling very <laughs> unsatisfied by everything and is basically being told repeatedly to the point where it becomes parodic uh by older people like you're uh, you remind us of us when we were younger. Like she right. all gets like the ghosts of Christmas past, being like, "Quite your fucking job,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right?" Like over and over again to the point where again it, it becomes parodic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just like, and then we did a time jump, and she took the job. Okay, bye. <laughs> right, right. I was like, oh, okay, um, fine. <laughs> right. like, like by doing the, the jump that he does and mm-hmm. by not really landing anywhere with any of the characters afterwards. Like mm-hmm. you lose them, but that's it's literally a glimpse. I yeah. found it like honestly really unsatisfying as a reader. Yeah. Um, but the the lead up to that I thought was was uh compelling, although again less so the more it goes on. Mm-hmm. But again, I like I really was like I feel like this is. I feel like Jeff like would have felt this book as much as he read this book.
0: Oh, the first the first couple of chapters uh, in Pope Hats Abso- like absolutely. Like
3: before, I, I'd also like would have been published roughly when you were going through similar things.
0: I feel. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'd have to look at the timeline. I, because I think that <laughs> I, I think sorry.
3: that. Sorry. Yeah. No. But no. There's no. There's, for whatnots um, Frances is a uh, law clerk in in a firm where she is falling upwards uh, almost yeah. purely by being competent and by not playing a political game
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and and the more she is sort of taken into confidence by other people and the more she's given more responsibility the more she prospers mm-hmm. uh, even as as I was saying like she's not Particularly sure if she wants to be there. She's not particularly sure if she wants to to have this life. Uh, her roommate and best friend is an actress who leaves town to go to Los Angeles to start a television show. And there's an element of like, is should she do the same thing as her best friend, or should she pursue this career that again she isn't sure she wants. Right. You know. Uh, and, and so, but it's it's like it's it's in particular like the law Clark element. And the fact that she is she is essentially being offered like a, a better position, but a position that a she's not sure she wants, but also is uh, an executive position eventually, right? But is a position where she takes on more responsibility for for enough financial benefits that I think it it for her self image shows that she has like made a decision. To to become part of the company in a way that she wasn't before, right, right. You know, uh, it's, it's like that, and that last part in particular is what I like. I remember you when you were you were mulling over your
0: promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's true, and it's funny. I feel like although I could be wrong, I um, I don't seem to remember that part being concurrent enough with with my emotional situation although it might have been um yeah I think I think what happened was uh for me like you said as things go on I felt like Hartley really had a really good handle on the on the experience and understood the dilemma that that Francis is facing but there's a couple of choices made that sort of render all of that, um, like kind of stalemates, uh, the art before it really goes the, 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 the thematic pieces in a way, because Mm -hmm. you kind of don't see to what extent that, um, Francis, like Francis and her roommate sort of have a certain degree of, um, as I recall, kind of competition over a guy, but they don't I don't I don't remember if Frances is even an actress. She doesn't seem to have any Friends grand know. right? And and so there's kind of that thing of like I, I feel like there can be a sort of bittersweet thing of like, here's someone who doesn't know what they want to be, and then they ultimately just become what they are. And I guess because Frances really doesn't seem to have anything, there's no real sense of what is what, or isn't going to be lost, in a way, about it. You know, by her by her, just... It's a very... It's I felt like Hartley knew what they wanted to avoid. They weren't going to have this big melodramatic thing, you know, but they also kind of didn't have the emotional magi- imagination of... How do you make someone becoming that thing, or, or maybe even the lived experience of how does it feel to become just a person? You know? And, See, I, and I,
3: I think that, because uh, remember, or maybe you don't, um, Hartley published Pol Pats under a pseudonym. That's right. Until the, the, the release of the collection. I was wondering how much of this is basically autobiographical, except right. they, they took the other arc. They, yes. they, because uh, um, Francis is basically offered a writing job by mm-hmm. by her friend, the, right, by a friend the actress.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like the, she's basically got been told, like I come down to Los Angeles. Like the the writers of my show want to bring you on board. You'll be in the writers' room, and mm-hmm. like that's that's the decision she ultimately makes, right? Right. It, right. Like that's the the emotional climax of the book, mm-hmm. that she she decides to reject that the escape that she thinks she's been longing. Right. Right? And yeah. it, it it made me go, oh, I wonder how much of this was understood in them because they were basically... They were Francis.
0: And yeah, then, they were Francis, it, and oh, then they got an advance or whatever. Yeah, yeah not in comics. You know? Yeah. No, exactly. And that's what it feels like, but it also it weirdly has that... And so, therefore, like I said, it feels like the end is... Perhaps it was going to go somewhere else, but it feels really, yeah, it feels skimpy. It feels, it feels like the person made the jump and then was like, okay, but I'm going to show what it's like if you don't make the jump. And more or less, maybe for whatever reason, whatever personal blocking limitation, they just couldn't overcome that. You know, they couldn't really commit to seeing themselves there. Yeah. Yeah. So. I,
3: I just, I honestly, it was just, because I was reading and, you know, outside of my own enjoyment slash less enjoyment as I continued.
0: <laughs> up,
3: yeah. I, like, I, at the start of the book, I really was very into it. And the more it went on, the more I was like, this is feeling less uh, purposeful. And this is feeling much more like they don't quite know where to go in the story. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, they didn't. Yeah. You
1: seem really frustrated by the end of it. Um.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I but I, I was uh, I outside of that, I was also like, I feel that like Jeff like I said, would have felt this. I've just looked into by the way, it was like originally serialized in like two
0: thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. So much yeah, earlier earlier yeah. than your answer. Yeah. Right. So it's it's kind of a shame that it didn't really if if it. It wasn't a touchstone as I was making my transition consciously. But, I mean, I think that's the other thing is also, like, I mean, I was just I was just fucking old. You know what I mean? Like, I think there was a little bit of the, you know, it's one thing for Frances to make that decision. And, of course, she was probably like, well, because I'm so old at 28 or something. But, you know, when you're 50 and you're like, yeah, this is not... You know, I don't have a lot of um, hands left to be dealt me at the table. What what's my strategy here? You know, so it feels different, but you know, maybe it's not. But I'm I'm glad that it was resonant. I had a similar issue, very similar thing, reading uh, Jurassic League of America number one. Actually, Uh, no, not really. But I was I was curious as to what you thought. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, Graham is kind of like this blue dinosaur that's sort of Superman. Um, I was just curious, because I remember you being kind of delighted when it was announced to be like, DC needs more of this. Or maybe it was like, DC's doing this and it's great, and fucking Marvel needs to really get a stick out of its ass and make maybe. all of its characters it basically the <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I hate to tell you, I haven't read it yet. Oh, ouch. Was it uh, just as time went on, you're like, Meh. Uh, I'm right?
3: doing a lot of reading for other things that uh, mm-hmm. involve jobs that involve paying me money, and that will always win. Yeah. Wow. To, to be honest, like there's, there's like, to be completely blunt, like I will enjoy Jurassic League at some point, but I have things that I have to read in order to write things, and so they've they've won in the last couple of weeks. You know, like for example, Young Francis. I read this afternoon. Ah, right. Do you know what I mean? Like okay. it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. been very much. A, oh, I can. I actually have. You know, an hour. Right. I'm. I'm going to enjoy something.
0: You know. Right. Yeah. 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 Um,
3: right. So no, I'm afraid I can't tell you about my own dinosaur experience. Um, but uh, but i you know, I'm sure it was. It's just like my own lived experience as a dinosaur.
0: I'm sure it was. Did you have a favorite dinosaur growing up? Did Did you guys have favorite dinosaurs?
3: Um, uh, no?
1: I liked Mosasaurus.
3: Oh, yeah? Yes. You say that like somewhat embarrassed.
1: No, I like Mosasauruses and I like Stegosauruses and, uh, the ones that, uh, the, um, the ones that spit. Now I can't remember their names.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yeah, they spit acid.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't know about those as a kid. Otherwise, that would have been up there. I think I was definitely a Stegosaurus uh, kid growing up. What so.
3: is this, what's a Stegosaurus? Is the Stegosaurus, the one with the spines at the back? Yes, yes. Yeah, I like Stegosaurus, and I like T Rexes, and I feel T Rexes have been ruined by Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think yes. that, that I think, I think that you're being very unfair to the T
2: Rexes, <laughs> Graham.
3: Well. I Oh I've got to yeah. watch all of that Grant Cretaceous again soon. Uh, yes. Uh I didn't really have I wasn't massive my dinosaur connection when I was a kid was I had a lenticular ruler at school that was dinosaurs that moved if you wiggled the ruler. And I loved that dearly, but I didn't really care about dinosaurs beyond that. Uh, you were, yes. you were... Sorry, what's that?
1: I straight up wanted to be a paleontologist.
0: Ah, see, here we go. Well, there we go, because I was about to say, I'm like, wow, that was, like, Chloe was quick with the answer, and she had her top three. So,
3: yeah. maybe oh, yeah. even it's,
0: it's laid out by Era. The, yeah. the, the
3: nine-year-old loves dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, Gavin's, Gavin's always been really into dinosaurs, too. He has all of the uh, dinosaur figures that I had as a kid. I got to pass Dude. those down to
0: him. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. This it's is a,
3: this cool. is This is a dinosaur-friendly house.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... And he like, loves
3: the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic
0: World yeah. movies. Yeah,
1: so. well, see, I think that's what was responsible for me, because I was old enough that one of the first movies that I got to see in a theater was Jurassic Park.
0: Holy shit, how old were you?
1: I was little, little.
0: Man, did that, like, just scare the Jesus out of you? Because yeah, that's got yeah. some scary-ass shit in that.
1: Yeah, but it, like that was uh, my, my grandpa uh, used to take me to the movies. And like that was he would take me to movies that were just like probably just a little bit too old for me when I was teeny, right. teeny tiny. And right. he would always make it seem funny if it was scary. So uh, and so Jurassic and,
3: Park was a hilarious film. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Jurassic
1: right? Park was like fascinating for me. And anyway, you know, there's the root of my fascination and comfort with horror. <laughs> right,
0: yeah <laughs> but, right yeah. yeah
1: no Jurassic Park is like a core memory for me huh
0: wow that's that's amazing it, that's the same person that insisted that Graham watch Ozark right yes yes, <laughs> yes.
1: extremely yes
3: <laughs> not, not, nothing has changed in his love of horror that...
1: okay but to be fair he is also the one that told us to watch Below Decks
0: it's true oh no really yes. wow yes.
3: Oh,
1: Oh, I hadn't put that together. Yeah, he also kind of likes trash TV, and he also – he was uh, a competitive sailboat guy for a while. So he's, like, really into boats. He gets boating magazines. He, like – like, all of our – any vacation that we took when I was a little kid involved boats. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, it it only makes sense that he was like, oh, you should really see the ship. The people are terrible, but I'll tell you –
0: and we
3: are <laughs> we like, we don't care about the ship, but these people are terrible, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Just flip it on it's the... Well, it's kind of a shame that he is, as I, as I recall... Like, I don't think that he would be a very successful guest to have on the podcast.
3: Oh, no. You mean going to <laughs> Yeah,
0: due to the hearing issue problems. It'd be kind of a very tough level for us to to... to hurdle for us to clear, but... That sounds amazing. There's something where I'm like, okay, but I do want to meet him and talk to him. Because let me tell you, that's that's pretty <laughs> f- profoundly think, fascinating. Do you want to know what
3: his job was, though? He was a phlebotomist. Yeah.
0: Phlebotomist, yeah.
1: Yeah, he used to mess around with people's blood. Well, let me let me tell you. Uh, also, also probably a root of my my comfort with horror, Jeff. Let me tell you what it's like to be a person who needs regular blood draws every couple of months, and your grandpa just comes home with a kit and just says, yeah. "All right, sit at the table," and you just yeah. kind of, you just have a couple of vials of blood sitting in the in the fridge. Just See, not
0: there asleep. you go, Chloe. Yeah, that's <laughs> very. I'm like, yeah. <laughs>
3: I feel like the forecast I have
0: not really spoken,
3: but you and Jeff have both revealed a lot about yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. I think, I think next next episode that you're on, Chloe, we really have to figure out a way to, 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 to crack Graham uh, and get him to, to give it. Because you're relatively, you're, you know, you play your cards pretty close to the vest, Graham. I, I think you would admit that, right?
1: Just, I, just let him talk about Big Star and Oasis. It'll be fine.
0: <laughs> Oasis.
3: <laughs> it's
0: true, dude. you you. The Oasis thing is, yeah. I'm not I, saying I, that I, it's like I, uh.
3: Well, like I'm with Chloe because I'm like, mm. but then again, like you have also had your your Spice Girls love, so we have been going through the 1990s a lot lately.
0: Oh the spice girls yeah i I gotta say i'm kind, I feel pretty I think probably I'm not sure I could have handled talking about Spice girls and Love struck High, but I will say that people I highly recommend that you subscribe to Chloe's Patreon because her essays <laughs> oh uh, uh, her Friday essays have been they... wonderful, yeah.
3: Did you like the one about um, Christina and and Lady Marmalade?
0: Oh my God, I died! And the thing that was ironic about it was talk about like sort of bridging the generations. I had put on a disco playlist, the uh, like driving to work, like just the other day. Maybe it was Friday morning, and, and the, the original, original Lady Marmalade came I on, guess. and I was like, "Wow!" So Absolutely. yeah.
3: Um, I if I, first of all we've passed the two hour mark so we should start wrapping up. But I, the last thing I'm going to say is relates to Chloe, but oh, is one sorry. of my favorite things this week. Uh, Chloe has gotten really into because of the Spice Girls uh, the song "Leader of the Gang." Oh night, no, Gary I'm leaving! <laughs> but here's the best part: she actually looked into whether Gary Glitter, who is a convicted pedophile, <laughs> get, gets royalties from Spotify
0: plays.
1: So now I can wow. listen to it as much as I want cuz he, does he doesn't.
0: Oh, that's great. That well, is great yeah. news.
3: No, he does not. She was like, "I can
0: listen to this again.
1: I'm allowed to listen to Gary Glitter and not feel super fucking guilty."
0: Wow. That that is if I I feel like this this podcast was just chock-a-block with takeaway messages, but that oh, one no. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: so what I'm saying is, uh, before we start wrapping up, everyone feel free to listen to Leader of the Gang and Rock and, rock and Roll. And roll. do you want to
1: touch? Do you want to touch me?
3: Yeah, uh, because Gary Glitter gets no royalties on Spotify.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, if you're like me, and if anybody knows where I can find a full copy of the Gary Glitter cut of Spice World, please let me know. because. I wants it. It exists somewhere. He's wearing a gold lame cape and does nothing but walk around. So please please.
3: Wow. Oh yeah, no That was
1: the first crime he committed.
3: I I, oh. <laughs> I I literally had a moment of like no, we don't no, we don't make that joke. No, no. No.
0: No. I gotta say, I don't feel so bad about trimming twenty seven minutes out of my Conan dis- discussion now because.
2: Uh, oh boy! I know
0: I I've, I apparently have a list of edits to make for I, this uh, episode. I think you just put it all up unedited,
3: and you just and let it...
1: God sort it out.
3: <laughs> you Indeed. call it the Chromecast sorry Gary Glitter. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh no. What nuts? There's gonna be show notes up, and I don't know what Jeff's gonna write, but there's gonna be show notes up for this episode at Wait What Podcasts when you listen to it. Uh and in before then or even after then, you can uh, check us out on Twitter at Wait What Podcasts. Jeff is at Lazy L A S T uh I'll try to get Uh I'm at Graham M at G R A E M M, And you are Uh
1: at Punk Rock Mom Jeans P U N K R O K M O M G E A N S it's the jeans part Yeah it goes, is yeah. it's so
3: good well uh, done Chloe Anyway that's where we all are on Twitter and we are a Patreon supporter podcast which means Jeff is about to talk to you right now
0: Yep hey everyone uh oh you right uh you guys are awesome listeners far and wide we we love you you managed to um, put up with these shenanigans uh, and allow us the chance for some, like, terrifyingly primal therapy to happen while also discussing pop culture. And uh, I think I think we're all grateful for that. I think maybe Graham might be grateful that he didn't have to do that. But, you know, I think that overall, like, a big win, the chance to actually be able to talk uh, to these very wonderful and charming people and then put this out in the world and then hear from wonderful and charming people. Like I said, after reading 30 volumes of a manga about people figuring out ways to uh, not be alone through the miracle of their obsessions, which again sounds like one of part of uh, Chloe's um, essays for Patreon. Yeah,
3: so um, it's basically what you've written about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I uh I think I will uh I will then pivot since I've mentioned Patreon to, to actually talk about our fine listeners on Patreon, the fact that they also throw us a little bit of their hard earned dosh, which um continues to keep us um fired, inspired and, and I don't know, rewired. I'm not doing I'm doing a very bad riff on what is it, binged, cringed and unhinged. Is that the title yes. of yours? Yeah. So yeah, mine, mine, mine actually sounds like a a, a meme that was already tired when Twitter was aborning. So, nonetheless, thank you. Thanks to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continued support of this podcast and this galaxy. Because if she didn't, we would never get a new David Cronenberg movie that clearly is a movie of sexual fetishes that could only happen in countries with a national health care plan. Because uh, that was one thing I was really aware of. Like, I'm like, I can't get turned on by this at all. Like surgery, who can afford it? Why don't you just screw? So. There you have it. Graham? That is the greatest
3: argument in favor of socialized healthcare, slash David Cronenberg, slash Canada. Let's be fair for
0: Well, you honest. know,
1: <gasps> Indeed. surgery is the new sex. Surely everybody is covered under a national health plan. <laughs> right?
0: I was like, God damn, man. Like, no one can afford to have sex in this country at that point. So, anyway. Good Lord.
3: Anyway, we're going to be back, uh, not next week, but the week after. Jeff, am I right?
0: That is correct, next week's a skip week so why don't you guys find us in early June
3: and then by which point we'll have seen uh, Crimes of the Future so I at least will be here to tell you what what it was Um, otherwise uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye!